it's Deli Alley. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it! They Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first Plus Dave podcast, a Tottenham Hotspur theme podcast brought to you by an assortment of Tottenham fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Dave is here to provide us with a degree of impartiality, a whole lot of trolling, and to tell us things like getting to the Champions League final doesn't really count as a trophy. Dave, thank you so much for being a part of this. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having Good. me. No, no, you're, you're more than welcome. What possessed you to agree to be a part of this is what I want to know. What happened there? I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure what I'm doing here. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've been part of a, a WhatsApp group by mistake for several years. I've been trying to exit it. But uh, but every now and again, Tottenham do something very stupid. So I have to say something that is going to, quite frankly, ignite you guys into uh, into delirium, which is my aim in life. Amazing. Well, I think I speak for everyone when I say we definitely look forward to that. So what kind of form are you in today? Are you, uh, are you feeling like playing nice or uh, do you think you're going to be on, on more of a troll mode today? Well, it's episode one, so let's ease our way in. Yeah, these in. Fantastic. Well, look, we'll, uh, we'll let you do a bit more of an introduction in a second. But uh, before we do, I, I will, of course, get on to introducing all of my uh, esteemed colleagues today. But before I do, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what to expect in general from the Plus Day podcast. So, as I mentioned, we are a Tottenham Hotspur theme podcast. We will be talking about all things Tottenham, past, present and future. We're going to obviously talk about the games gone by, as well as I look forward to the games ahead. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about transfers. Of course, it's been a busy window, a lot going on there. And we're also going to have a weekly feature discussion, which we will talk about some kind of hypothetical, nostalgic situation. We'll get onto more of that later as I introduce it. But uh, you have that to look forward to again. My name is Dagus, but you may call me Dags for short. I've been a Tottenham fan for a long time. Basically, the long story short is that I grew up on a street with two Spurs players, uh, one of them being John Lacey, uh, ex-Tottenham defender from the 80s, uh, and the other being a certain Mr. Gary Mabbott, uh, who was, of course, the Tottenham... 1991 FA Cup lifting captain. The other part of why I'm a big Spurs fan and certainly an undeniable influence is a man who joins us today. And that is Elio, who I've known for a long time and um, has fully committed himself to my indoctrination as a Spurs fan. Elio, welcome. How are you today? I can't believe you're pinning being a Spurs fan on me. (laughs) You've got a lot to answer for. I have a lot to answer for. I mean, I I think you can make your own decisions in life. And if you choose sadomasochism, (laughs) that's on you. I was very young. I didn't know any better. Uh, I'm well. It, it's Friday. I'm not working tomorrow, so couldn't be happier. Fantastic. Well, look, again, thank you for being a part of this. So I think it's probably good if we all introduce ourselves in the context of the kind of Spurs fans we are. We'll get around to you again in a moment, Dave. I think I'm, uh, I think I wouldn't say I'm a casual. I wouldn't say I'm a diehard. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'd say maybe I'm like a seven out of 10. Would you say that's fair, Elio? You've known me the longest. I mean, numerical ratings. I think you're a good Spurs fan. I think you care about what happens even when we're not good. So, yeah, I'd say a solid seven would be fair. So with that in mind, I'm really hoping we're going to say you're a 10. Because if I'm honest, if if you're not a 10, I sincerely worry for whoever is. And I think they probably need professional help. How would you sum yourself up as a Spurs fan, just in in a quick summary? Damaged. (laughs) We're all damaged. Uh, That's just standard. I struggle to... Except that we're not as good as I think we are, I think is probably fair comment. That's yeah, that, that sounds probably fair. Anyway, without without further ado, let's let's crack on like the professionals we are and allow me to introduce a third member of the team today, and that is Mr. Joe Brooker. Joe, welcome, how are you? 
Very well, thank you, uh, Dags, and a very slick introduction. Very impressed. Oh, you're too kind. And, and also, you, you give yourself 7 out of 10 uh, yeah. as a Spurs fan. You're the only one that actually remembered to wear a Spurs shirt to this. That's a very good so point. I think that makes you at least an 8 out of 10. I think that, that bumps me up at least. I'll, I'll give myself a 7.5. We'll say that. Well, look, with that, with that in mind, what, what would you rate yourself as a Spurs fan? Well, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm the one the most tenuous link to being a Spurs fan because where you boys, yep. your proper North London boys, like you just said, you grew up where Gary Mabbott's from. I'm yep. from the West Country and the main reason I started supporting Spurs is because my dad was a Spurs fan. But the reason he supports Spurs is because when he was a kid, it was the Bill Nicholson years and Spurs had just done the double. So he's basically a yep. glory supporter like everybody our age who became <laughs> Man United but fans it's okay now in the early 90s. <laughs> exactly. In fairness, even being from North London, I was also brainwashed by my dad. So I, I feel like you, you don't need to apologise for that. And my dad also was a glory supporter. And um, that was because he grew up in the Bill Nicholson era. But that was all the way in Cyprus. So if anything, your your link is even less tenuous than mine. I, I suppose Bristol's closer than Cyprus. So yeah, yeah. good point. I'll take that, Elio. <laughs> Similar climate. Yeah, well, exactly. I was about to say, imagine being a Spurs fan and being called a glory hunter. I mean, that, that, that's really <laughs> something, isn't it? More importantly, the man of the hour, the uh, the titular Dave. We had a brief introduction, but um, I'd love to hear a bit more about you. Uh, so you're a Leeds fan? I mean, I don't have to really ask why, do I? Yeah, no, you don't. Uh, so I'm from Leeds, so I support Leeds. Um, I, uh, I... Great story. I was yeah I was, I was in uh, I moved to London when I was uh, 19 to go to university and uh, uh have failed to be indoctrinated by any of the of the London clubs uh I dabbled with Fulham uh, uh mainly because I lived about 10 meters away on Stevenage Road so it was rude to be honest not to go to Fulham games yeah. but you know Laurie Sanchez slammed that out of me pretty quickly so uh, then uh you know, I went went straight back to Leeds in League One and enjoyed myself down there. Catch a few away games where I can. Obviously, can't really get to the home games, but try and try and sneak into the uh, to the home ends at, at Fulham and Arsenal and and maybe even Spurs one day. Maybe and and sit on my hands uh, as we score <laughs> goal after goal after goal, which we don't do, by the way. We don't win. We don't win in London, so you know, you're safe. I think there's definitely potential for a future episode there, isn't there? I think I think we should do some kind of live stream viewing of us all watching a Leeds Spurs game at some point in the future. It's a shame it could have been the last one that we did because <laughs> that was it. I, I don't remember that one at all, but anyway, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll move on. Fantastic. So I think the thing everyone wants to know really, Dave, is uh, what do you think of Spurs fans? Well, to be honest, I think the, the, the stereotypical Spurs fan in my mind, I mean... We have got quite a spectrum on this show right now. Um, uh, between Joe and Elia, somewhere in between is a, is Daggis, for example. Uh, but I think um, the stereotype has changed, in my mind, from being just a football fan who supports the team that isn't Arsenal, that hates Arsenal, to almost a, t- a set of fans in their, own, in their own image now. Dave, it almost sounds like you're being nice. This isn't what I was promised. Like I said, easing in. I think there is a point there in that there is an evolution of Spurs fans from, at least in our generation, the late 90s and early noughties fans who, if we could even put a glove on Arsenal while they were winning a lot of trophies, we'd end the season 
moderately satisfied because we didn't really ever finish above ninth in the league after Klinsman left us. But I think now there, there's a new breed who have gone full circle the other way and have almost become expectant without much reason to. And that's that's my frustration with a lot of our own fans, to tell you the truth, that uh, despite the fact that we haven't won much, if anything at all, and certainly not for over a decade, they still seem to think that we should be punching up there with City and Chelsea and United on a fraction of the budget. And it's just unrealistic. And signing players for 100 million. Well, yeah, that yeah. too. Well, look, I mean, we're going to talk about signings eventually, and we're certainly going to look forward to the season ahead in light of our uh, of our summer uh, window. Uh, but before we do, we've had a few games. We're a little late to the party. We're three games in, and um, did I hear someone mention we're top of the league? Not me. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, am I, am I not supposed to say that? I suppose, I suppose by that logic, I'm also not to mention that we're 20 places above Arsenal. I don't, I don't like what you're doing, Dags. This shall, is... I, shall I cut this? Is this is this too risky? It's it's risky. Yeah. Okay. All right. As long as nobody says mind the gap, I think we're okay. So, <laughs> so moving on. So the season so far. Look, if if someone has been away from football, Tottenham fan, they missed the first few games. They come back, they see the league table, and they think, wow, Tottenham are top of the league. Three games, no goals conceded. Uh, absolutely flying. Joe, I'll come to you. How, what would you say if you were to sum up our performance so far as a whole? What have you made of Spurs? How do you think it's gone so far? I think the main thing for me that so far is I'm very surprised by how good we look defensively. I think maybe the Man City game, perhaps, I, I, I really don't know what happened there. I think, I mean, Tanganga comes to mind immediately, but just looked so solid. And I suppose our record in the last couple of years has been good at home against City, but uh, th- that was one thing that stood out for me. I, I don't really know what the plan is with the midfields at the moment. I, I'm a little bit confused about what we're we're trying to do there but I mean I think Son has just hit the ground running which made, made me not massively concerned about the Kane situation with, with the circus that's been going on there but uh, you, you now feel that you know with the Kane situation kind of settled you know the, the front line's going to do the business like it always does um, I, I guess one thing I'm interested in to get your thoughts on guys in particular is I've been quite impressed by Eric Dyer which is a, not something I thought I was going to say, but I, I'm interested to see, do you think that, that Dyer's looking all right so far? Is it, does he look like he's a slightly different player? Go on, Elio. Last season, obviously, he converted to centre-back for the first time in quite a few years. So I think just having a year's experience and making mistakes in that position will have helped. But I also think losing the Mourinho factor is a huge thing for him because as much as Mourinho trusted him, he also asked him to play extremely deep and without much of a midfield in front of him. So any mistake he'd ever make would be in a danger zone, which is never a good thing as a centre-back. But also he... He had so much pressure put on him constantly because we were inviting him all game. The, def- the entire defence is playing about 15 yards higher now. And the result of that is that Dyer can actually defend proactively. He can actually, and he's not the quickest, obviously, but he can actually attack headers. He can actually get close up to um, opposition strikers and and not have to sort of worry too much about making a mistake in that area of the pitch and he's got a very fast partner in Sanchez who if he does make a mistake can mop up which is exactly what happened against Wolves when he he lobbed the ball quite stupidly in the middle, yeah. of, the, the middle of the pitch so I, I think yeah I think actually being able to front foot defend again has got rid of the loss of the pressure and actually playing higher up the pitch suits him even if he's not the quickest. It's worth mentioning as well that Eric Dyer has been nominated for player of the month 
I didn't realise that. Uh, yeah, so that's that's quite an accolade. They're just giving them away now, aren't they? <laughs> well, they had to really. Well, look, I mean, obviously, Dyer's had look, a whole defence, so you can't really argue with no goals conceded. Elio, you mentioned before that there was another Spurs defender that you've been particularly impressed with this season. Yeah, I think, and I mentioned it a moment ago, I think Sanchez has been the standout. He's actually defending very aggressively. He's he's cutting out danger before it arrives, which is a new thing for him. He's never really been great at sniffing danger. He's always been someone who, who relies on his pace a little bit too much and therefore got caught out by players who could actually do him for speed. So so all of a sudden he's sniffing out danger and eliminating it before it gets into any kind of a bad error. And, and that's been a huge improvement. And he'll make mistakes like that because that's what happens when you, you do defend proactively but it, it's a huge improvement i i think that if he was the england international he might well have been been given the nomination instead personally so do you think he's looking like the 38 and a half million pound player you bought finally <laughs> it's hard to say after three games but if if this is his consistent form then yes but if he goes back to old habits no 38 million is pennies in today's market, isn't it? It's a sub. He's been here four or five years now, though. He, he signed in 2017, I think, didn't he? Same time as another great expensive signing in Sissoko. So, Dave, you're, you're Bielsa. Next match, Leeds against Tottenham, Ellen Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you set up? What would your strategy be? How do you think you can beat Spurs? Would you be worried, first of all? I, I mean, I would be worried. Um, I'd be worried. I'd be bored off my seat and you'd probably win 1-0. <laughs> Because that seems to be what's happening. Uh, Did but Mourinho at the leave? Same time, very Mourinho-esque, some might say. But I think, to be honest, if Leeds were playing Spurs next, we would we would try and do what we uh, do quite successfully, quite often, which is hit on the counter out wide, because you've got fullbacks that you know, have the potential to be very good, but also, you know. Uh, still finding their way. Well, one hasn't even played yet. So, you know, I think that's what we try to do. We try to exploit that. And I think that's probably not particularly a bad thing for Spurs because, you know, that's just a team bedding in and getting used to playing with each other. But I think the the risk now and the next few games is that, you know, if you're playing, if you've got next, you've got Palace next. We'll talk about that a bit later. But I think they've got pace up front. Uh, and hmm. uh, and if they've got, if, if Eze is fit, if um, uh, Elise is fit, if Zaha fancies it, then then and they're running at the wings, then that's where the damage would come. It's interesting you say that, actually. I'm glad you brought up the potential liability on the, on the fullback side because I've been looking at a few stats, okay? I've, I've been doing my homework today. Elio, I know you love football stats, so, uh, so buckle in for these. Tottenham have actually conceded the most chances from our left of any team in the Premier League this season uh, and the third most from the right. So it, it certainly suggests that the, the fullbacks, not that the fullbacks are bad, it might be just down to the way we play. And I'm curious if anyone has any, uh, any commentary on this, but I think the numbers in general don't paint the prettiest picture. They certainly don't reflect where we are on the table and they don't necessarily reflect how good our defence has been. I mean, just the one that stands out to me is that, and I know, I know you love XG, and for anyone who's not familiar with terms like XG and XA, I'll just do a quick summary. So Expected goals is basically a figure that's assigned to a chance and it's a cumulative total of all the quality and quantity of chances that a player has or a team faces on a scale of zero to one. So if it's a tap-in, if it's a ball two yards out, you're expecting them to score, then we're talking about like a 0.95. If it's a 30-yard attempt from a wide angle on the volley, it's probably like a 0.01 and they're added together and it gives you an idea of basically how many goals a team should have scored. 
based on statistical data. So if you look at the expected goals that Spurs should have conceded, which is a stat I know, Elio, you're uh, very skeptical of, uh, we're actually at 4.33, which means that statistically, the chances we've faced, we should have conceded four goals, four or five goals. I know, take it with a pinch of salt, but it's worth noting that all the teams above us in the league on that particular metric have conceded at least five. So are we riding our luck? I mean, what I want to know is, is that is that just because we've got a great goalkeeper? Is that just, is there another reason for that? Can we read anything into these statistics? Is it something to be worried about? Is this all about to fall down? Elio? I think you have to look at who we've played as well, though. And that's what that stat can't possibly give you context of when you're only three games in, as opposed to 19 games in when you played everyone. So our first game of the season was against the most creative sides in the league by far and a side that do bomb down the wings really well themselves. So I I imagine a large amount of that 4.3 XG came from that match alone against Manchester City. You can see the amount of goals past the next two teams they've played. Second game we played was up against Wolves, who while a mid-table side and maybe not the greatest attack, do have Adama Traore, who is making absolute mincemeat of all his opponents so far this season. And, laying off chances to forwards who haven't been taking them, including against us. They skied at least a couple against us, I think. So I think when you look at it from that point of view, what was Adama's XA against Manchester United, for instance, in the next game, who are a side that most people think are particularly better than us? What was uh, Manchester City's goal haul in the two games that weren't against us? And I think it really softens the blow of those damning stats. And that's why I don't really like stats. That's why I, I, I like to use an, an old-fashioned method of judging football matches called my eyes. Very good. So you're not worried. Dave, what are your thoughts on this? It's a bit of a stat buster, isn't it? That Spurs are top of the league with three wins, three goals, non-conceded. And Wolves are bottom of the league uh, with three losses, three goals conceded, none scored. Yet Wolves' XG is higher than Spurs'. And, and it just doesn't make sense if you think about it like that. And I think that's um, there's always something like that which can completely dispute the stats that we're talking about right now. So I think I think you can't you can't read into that. I think Elio's right. You have to watch it and you have to come to your own conclusions, but from what I've seen, you know, I think it's promising. I think Nuno, he started started really well at Wolves. He had but you know, he had Champions League players in the championship, so that was easy. But last season it was awful. Awful football at Wolves. So I think I think time will tell what what comes out at Spurs. I think with Nuno, one of the things that has immediately changed is that the players actually look hungry and aggressive again, and they look like they're enjoying playing for him, which was not the case for the final year of Pochettino, and it was not the case at any point during Mourinho, really, apart from Harry Kane, who seemed to idolise Mourinho. Everybody else seemed to down tools relatively quickly, and I, I, I even when we ended up top of the league last season, it was you were watching these games and wondering how, and it was probably as much down to other teams playing poorly as anything else. So just the Nuno factor in that respect makes hell of a difference because we do have good players. And even if we're not playing great football, which we're not at the moment, um, new midfield combination, they've only ever played three matches together, Delhi, Skip and Hoybier. So they're still learning. Familiarity breeds creativity, which breeds a better XG, let's say. So that that will come, I think. But in the meantime, they're absolutely working their socks off 
play. And then it, it's the biggest cliche in football with a new manager, but they look fitter than they ever have. And that's probably as much a mental thing as it is a physical thing because they want to run harder, run more aggressive, run faster. Joe, you like XG, don't you? I do. I, I'm a, I think I'm a bit more on board with the stats than Elio, a bit like you, Dagus. Uh, makes me feel clever. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I do agree. I, I, there is a little part of me that's, that's a little bit disconcerted by the, the numbers that are being kind of raised here because it is three 1-0 wins and maybe a couple of the games could have gone a different way. Um, so, you know, I, I'm certainly not getting carried away. Absolutely. Uh, who are you most excited about seeing this season out of our new additions, Elio? Really hard question. I mean, the obvious answer is someone like Brian Hill, who is a Spurs player. I mean, he, he's in the moulds of your Modric's, your Janala's, your your Bales. He he gets the ball, he runs with it, he creates havoc and, and we love that. You you get off your seat, not after he's done something great, but the moment he gets the ball in anticipation of him doing something great, which is which is what we love. We love the, the slap of the plastic seats. But he's probably not the one I'm most immediately excited about because it's going to take him a while to get in. I, I can't wait to see Romero bedding in because our biggest problem has been defence for quite a while and he's come with a really big billing and a, a high price tag and he was Serie A Defender of the Year last season. He's just won the Copper America with Argentina. So that screams of pedigree. I haven't seen much of him because, well, I haven't watched much Serie A since, since I was a kid, since I was on Channel 4 with James Richardson, but he, he comes with such a reputation that you've got to wonder how it can invigorate both his part of the pitch and the team in front of him having a player like that. So yeah, I'm going with Romero. Who comes out for him though? I mean, maybe his presence pushes them both to be better and the manager has a problem. That's not a bad thing. I mean, look look how much better Danny Rose became when we signed Ben Davies all those years ago. Competition makes players play better. The second they get complacent, it, it all goes downhill. Emerson Royal is quite interesting to me because he, he seems to be extremely highly rated. I... I don't know a huge amount about him. I am interested to see what kind of impact he'll have because it does sound like he's potentially going to come into the, the team reasonably quickly. But I, I I don't really know what his strengths are exactly. I, I, I just don't know a great deal about him, but there, there is that hype there. I mean, any signing like that 22-year-old Brazilian coming over after two seasons with Betis, it, you, you have to be patient. But what what we do know, and I am going to use stats here, um, is that only Jordi Alba, out of all defenders in Spain, assisted more goals than him in La Liga the last two seasons, which is an impressive stat in itself when you consider how every team in Spain does love flying fullbacks getting forward. Um, if you watch just broad clips of him and highlights of him, and that's all I've overly got to go of other than maybe a couple of live matches, he, he he's a powerful runner. He He doesn't look sort of as composed as maybe someone like Carl Walker does when he charges forward or Reese James, but he is a really powerful runner. He's a strong guy as well. He wins his aerial duels. He he wins his tackles and he's got great recovery pace and he does hit a really nice cross. The other thing about him though that I've noticed is he seems to play really nice one-touch football and if if he can combine with Hoybier down that right-hand side and yeah. either Lucas or yeah. Hill or Bergwijn in front, that, that could lead to some really, really dangerous positions for us, which will help get that XG up. You're coming around already. I'm, I'm really proud of you, Elio. In fact, I'm, I'm expecting you to come up with some stats like that every week now. You've set the bar very high. Um, <laughs> so look, I'm curious to talk about 
just how we see ourselves setting up. I mean, obviously, new new faces, new players. What do you think will be our kind of go-to standard team for this season? I mean, obviously, there'll be some rotation, but if everyone's fit, what's our first team? I mean, right now, it's the team that's won three games. Fair enough. Do you, do you think Skip Skip continues as a starter? I think he will because he's he's one that they've been almost delaying his progression while they've built him up in the reserves, then on loan with Norwich for a few years now. And some some Spurs fans even think he he could have got his chance a couple of years ago. So I think we'll continue with him. He's doing the hardest job on the pitch right now as well, because he's playing as a single pivot in midfield with Hoybier and Deli playing really wide as dual eight. So there's a lot of space around Skip, which is why he has been done a couple of times and picked up a couple of bookings as a result. But he's covering a lot of ground. He's stopping a lot of attacks before they get to the defence. And if you consider that this is three games in for him as a go-to first teamer, you, you have to be encouraged by what he's doing. So I think I think he'll be one of the last players to lose his place. And I actually, I actually think if someone like Lascelles or Ndombele get their act together, it may be Hoybier as great as he is that ends up looking over his shoulder a bit not not skip well that's the thing right i mean we've had enough players in those positions who are fit and technically able to play and skip still being picked ahead of them for games like man city i mean that's got to speak volumes in itself being quick two-footed and hard working gets you a very long way in a premier league midfield and if you do have some talent and the ability to progress the ball forward which he hasn't done much of yet but with norwich last season he was very good at then, then that's a bonus. But without wanting to to compare him to sort of established Premier League defensive midfielders like like Kante or anything like that, that's what he should be aiming for from this standpoint. That that is what he needs to get to. And between the ears and physically, he seems to have everything he needs. It's it's whether the actual ability is there to go from promising to to a real midfield general and and he's the only one in control of that really i love a cliche <laughs> no it's great and it's, we could talk about every single one of our players in great depth and we'll have time to as the season goes on of course but um you know keen to keep moving things along uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna put you all on the spot now i'm starting with you dave where are tottenham going to finish this year and remember i'm going to write this down <laughs> And if we make it to the end of the season, I'm going to remind you of what you said. Um, I think that Nuna is a competent coach. I think your team, when all fit, is one of the stronger outside of the, the mega rich top four. I think you should be battling with Leicester and with maybe... West Ham? You know, maybe a couple of other teams. Maybe West Ham, yeah, f- for the fifth and sixth places. So I think, I think I'm think i going to say sixth. Sixth? Okay. Joe? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I think I agree with the Leeds fan uh, in his assessment to a large extent. No one's going to break that top four. You know, the big four are pretty, pretty obvious. I'm going to be a bit more positive and say we're going to finish fifth. Uh, but I think it is a, it's a shootout against Leicester for that position. See, before the season started, I made a comment in our group chat saying I think fifth would have to be considered a good season for us, to which Elio said something along the lines of, oh, well, in that case, let's not bother showing up to Man City. Let's just rest <laughs> everyone and go straight to the Wolves game. Uh, Elio, do you stand by that? Do you still think fifth is unambitious? I absolutely do. I mean, Spurs have finished 
second, third, second in recent history, in recent memory, without having on paper the deepest or best squads. And you could say miracles from Pochettino. You could say getting lucky with the emergence of Harry Kane, but we still managed it. And now that we have actually refreshed the squad, we have brought in some younger, more energetic competition. We have got an upward feel within the club again. I, I don't see why we shouldn't be aiming for at least that. I mean, I, I think it would be fanciful to say we'll be champions, but football's not won on paper. It's not won on on a database. Teams get injuries. Some managers are better than others. And what we do have is a good manager. We've got a few exceptional players in key positions. Lloris, Harry Kane, Son, they, even Hoybier, they don't look out of place in any team in this league. The defence seems to have sorted itself out and football always starts with defence, whether we like it or not. So I, I'd be disappointed with fifth. I, I think fourth I'd be... That's not where we're asking, Elio. Where do I think we'll finish? Yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself on the line. I think third. Third? Wow. I think we get third. I love it. I think Man United have an inferior manager and a potentially combustible dressing room with the addition of Ronaldo. Um, yeah, he's no good. <laughs> he's wonderful, but he's also um, all about Ronaldo, isn't he? I think I think Liverpool have had their day in the sun and same as the Dortmund team under Klopp, they're, they're going to struggle to keep up the intensity that they've had for all these years. And... People say we're a Harry Kane injury away from disaster. The same goes for them with Van Dijk. So so I, I think they're there for the taking. And I look at both Leicester and West Ham, who did finish above us last season. And I still think we're a better side. We just didn't have a better manager. So just to turn it away for one second, uh, same question again to you, Dave, this time about Leeds United. Is it second season syndrome or uh, are you thinking Leeds are above that? I don't think anybody's above that. Um, I, I think it could happen to anyone. You know, Sheffield United had a, almost as good a season as we had last year and then went down. You know, it, it could happen to anyone. We are still in that kind of let's not go down mentality rather than a we're in the Premier League now and we're going to stay in the Premier League. We're, we'll be fine. So by that definition, I would take 17th. But quite frankly, off the top of my head, I can think of six teams that are worse than us. And our manager is probably better than, I would say, 17 manage other managers in the league. I won't get you to name them. All 17? What, the, yeah. the, the <laughs> managers? <laughs> no, no, we'll skip over that. We're, we're, we're behind schedule already, let's, but it's fine. Let's start with Solskjaer. Let's... Uh, <laughs> so, Daggett, if you're holding us all to account predicting league yep. positions, what are you going for? I thought you'd never ask. Um, well, I feel, to be completely honest, I was going to say fifth, uh, which I feel at this point is a bit like sitting on the fence because there's that fourth spot just sitting there that no one's taken. So I'm going to I'm gonna step it up. I'm going to take a leaf out of Elio's book and I'm going to believe in our team uh, and I'm going to say fourth. That's my prediction. Who do, we, who do we pick off from the top four or the big four? God, when you put it like that, it's quite hard to think of it, isn't it? Because it's, I think it will rely on one of them just absolutely falling apart because if they if they play to their best ability I mean you could say the same about us but I feel like if if any of those four teams go firing on all cylinders for the whole season then we're not going to be able to really catch them I don't think I think player for player I think it's hard to say that we compete I think the key is that you guys have to have a good season to get into the top four it's not going to be like the Leicester the Leicester season where you know Leicester almost won the league 
by default because everybody else didn't do particularly well at trying to catch them. You don't have to remind us. You guys put up a good a good fight, but 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 not enough. But Man City aren't going to slip up. Chelsea, their second eleven could win the Champions League this season. Man United are the likely one, I think, to fall out. You know, they went behind so many times and they came back so many times, basically on the strength of their team, not necessarily on the tactics of the manager. They can't keep relying on that. Uh, and and Liverpool, they seem to have started well. And I think if they start well, then they'll probably have a good season. So I think if you're gonna if you're gonna oust any of them, the likelihood is that it'll be Man United. But if you even if you do that, I think they're gonna get seventy points. I think Liverpool and to an extent, us as well, are probably more susceptible to injuries. I mean, we saw what happened with Van Dijk and Gomez out from the team. I mean, they're, they're one big injury away from being a vastly different team. And not that the other teams don't have stars and they're very important players, but as we said before, Chelsea's second team, Man City, notoriously have a lot of depth. I think if one of their players gets taken down, you still fancy them to pick it up. Whereas I think Liverpool, and to an extent, Spurs as well, even though we've strengthened and we have, you know, two solid options in every position. I feel like I just get the sense that we're we're more vulnerable, us and Liverpool, to injuries ruining our season. I think, I mean, I'm not going to do the boring thing of rattling off all our players and all our depth, but I actually think if you look at our entire squad, we do have more depth than we're given credit for. I think the Kane injury is the big one. If he does have that old sort of ankle injury six, seven games out, that's disastrous because we've only got Dane Scarlett as another career centre forward at the club. But I'd counter that almost in my own argument with myself and say Son is better down the middle than most career centre forwards in the league anyway, which is why we didn't go and get the much vaunted backup for Kane because... I mean, to get a better centre-forward, a better number nine than Son in his secondary position, you have to spend 60, 70, 80 million, and you're not going to spend that for someone to back up Harry Kane. So if someone like Hill hits the ground running, or Bergwijn ups his game, or Lucas hits an Ajax Champions League run-style purple patch, and that wasn't his only hat-trick, he scored a hat-trick in the next game, which people often forget in our next league game, then all of a sudden Son can go down the middle. So... While, yes, we do rely on Kane to an extent, it's not as if we don't have the squad to deal with injuries. Now, how good the second eleven is compared to the first eleven is another talking point, but you assume you're not going to get six, seven injuries all in one go. Any team would lose all momentum if they did. I mean, a lot of people talk about Kane and if he got injured. What if Lukaku gets injured for Chelsea? Who's going to go up front for them? They've just sold Tammy to Roma who's a reliable goal scorer for them to play down the middle. No, good point, good point. United, we know Fernandez scores his set pieces. The only actual forwards United have proven down the middle is the 36-year-old that they've just brought back. Is he going to be able to even play every game? I mean, Mason Greenwood's going to be hot and cold because he's a teenager. And Rashford doesn't look like ever recapturing his early fall at the moment. I would argue that... A Ronaldo and maybe a Pogba injury might be a blessing to Man United because it actually allows <laughs> we'll them to, to actually think about it from a team perspective rather than, a, oh my God, I have to fit these square blocks into these round holes. Elio, while you're talking about the, the depth of our team and the strength we have, I actually have, would you believe, a question. I have a question from one of our, uh, I want to say listeners, but that would be uh, factually incorrect because no one's listening just yet. We're not actually up at the time of recording, but we have got a question from uh, a young man named Socrates, who you may well know as your cousin and uh, hopefully an upcoming guest on the show. And he's directed this question directly at you, Elio. You will be uh, 
perhaps unsurprised to hear. We agreed this wouldn't be the Elio show. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll try our best. I mean, it's already named after Dave. So Socrates asks, despite starting well, our performances so far have been functional without much spark in the middle of the park. Is this down to the manager's style or a lack of the right personnel? Will it be a case of hoping players like Ndombele spring into life or should Nuno play a different system where we can play Delhi or La Celso further forward? Very good question, cousin. Um, I think I alluded to this earlier. Familiarity breeds creativity. The players get to know each other's runs, each other's patterns. Delhi's essentially learning a new position. He hasn't played in central midfield since he was at MK Dons, so he improves in his role. He gets to link up better with Son out on the left, yeah. with Regulon down the left. He makes better runs into the box. So I think the more in sync they become, the more the attacking aspects will improve. I don't think we've been a, a low chance creating side by design. And Nuno, in his own interviews, has said he's not happy with the way we're going forward at the moment and he does want more. He said he's happy with the defence, but nowhere near happy with the way we're attacking. So I don't think this is down to the intended style but it may be down to the combination of players in there at the moment. I would like to see a Lo Celso, or if he decides he fancies it, an Undombele instead of one of the two more defensive ones from time to time. I don't think you need to play both Hoybier and Oliver Skip against Watford, but it will come. These guys are learning each other's games. Even a little thing like putting Romero in the side who can pass out of the defence, who does like to bring the ball forward, as we saw against Pacos de Ferreira, even something like that improves the entire team dynamic because it adds impetus. And I always say most footballers, in terms of both their fitness and ability, are a few percent apart. Most of footballers play between the ears. So the second one player is doing that, the rest of them responds. I mean, look at the impact Lamella, who was a limited player, ultimately had just by the way he harassed and pressed further forward. It got the whole team doing it. So bringing the new players into the side, developing some familiarity and maybe a bit more bravery from the manager in games against weaker opposition, yeah, I, I think we'll attack better going forwards. Well, I think that's an excellent answer and I really hope Sox is listening. So uh, very well done. Uh, Joe, uh, our next match is against Crystal Palace. Is there a, a slight sweetener involved in the prospect of getting one over on the old enemy Patrick Vieira, the, uh, the ex-captain? That horrible, horrible Arsenal team. Yeah, I mean, that that would uh, obviously be great to uh, damage his managerial career. Um, although, to be fair to him, um, he's, he's off to an OK start. I think he, I think a lot of people were expecting him to you know, fall flat on his face from the off. But Palace looking OK so far. <sighs> Three games is such a small sample size. And of course, the international break just irritates everybody that follows club level football. I feel pretty confident, though, from what we've seen so far. And we've been talking a lot about the depth of, of the team. It feels like there's a lot of options uh, that we, we still haven't really seen much of yet. So uh, I think the first 11 that we've seen so far, I feel very good about. But I, I would I'd really like to see, you know, our, our three you know, fancy new signings. It'd be nice to see a couple of those guys make a, a bit more of their presence felt uh, against Palace. So yeah, I mean, feel bullish. I feel that could well be 12 points uh, come the end of game week four. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, look, um, as with most of these topics, I'm sure there's a whole lot more that we could say, but uh, we'll try and keep things snappy and, uh, and moving along. Up next, we are going to move on to our featured discussion. So uh, basically what we're going to aim to do every week is we're going to pick a topic, something that 
somehow we've just decided to talk about or perhaps even something that one of our listeners has suggested or, or tweeted to us. And it will normally be something nostalgic, like a look back on our favorite players, our favorite goals, our favorite matches, something along those lines. And this week, in light of uh, Ronaldo going back to United, I thought it would be interesting to have a quick chat about what players we would bring back. And with a slight twist, we're not talking about players now because there aren't many 35, 36-year-olds that are still going as strong as as Ronaldo, uh, unfortunately. But um, just talking about hypothetically, if you were able to bring back three Tottenham players from, let's say, the Premier League era, just to keep it within the range of football that we've all watched with our own eyes, three players from Spurs at their Spurs peak from the Premier League era, which players would you bring into our current team, bearing in mind any potential weaknesses or areas that we could strengthen, and why? Let's go to you first, Joe. I'll take you giving this a bit of thought already. I've given it a cursory amount of thought, that's for sure. I'll take it. But it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm probably going to kick things off with a, a pretty obvious candidate, which would be Ginola. Mm. I think that you can just give that answer any time for, for a hypothetical thing like this. But, uh, I mean, we've talked about the, the fact that you know, maybe Spurs could do with a little bit more forward thrust, a bit more creativity at the moment, especially against the teams from lower down the table. And I feel like Ginola would probably be perfect for, for you know, unpicking some of these these teams that we do waste a lot of points against. So I think that would be my, my first and fairly obvious uh, first candidate. Okay. Please go on. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, and again, this is Premier Premiership era, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, we we could look back as far as the hoddles and the greaves, but I think it's probably fairer to just have a cut off from around that time because that's those are players that we'll all have watched more regularly with our own eyes. I think we've got to have your friend Gary Mabbott in there for sure. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Why Gary Mabbott? A lot of centre backs well, you could have picked. Uh, yeah, exactly. But um, I, I mean, uh, first of all, I, mean, I think just. Uh, you know, in, in terms of what he means to the club, you know, his service to the club. But um, centre-back does seem to be one area where we, we haven't quite decided what that pairing looks like. So I think surely surely Gary's a, a good candidate to bring in and shore up that defence for us. He won a major trophy, right? Exactly. The, the, last, the last Spurs player to lift the FA Cup. You know, he knows how it's done. Yeah. Okay. Joe, you have one more player. Make it a good one. I'm going to I'm gonna go for Klinsman. Ooh, I mean, okay. just, just keep it simple. I know we're we're pretty spoiled when it comes to uh, out and out goal scorers in this team, but look, why not why not throw Klinsman in? Why not have a front three, Klinsman, Kane, and so on? I think that that gets us in the top four, surely. That actually surprises me a little bit. That's probably I'll, I'll tell you from now; those three are all different to my three. Oh, interesting. Three. Okay. Yeah, I don't have one of those. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and criticize any of them. All fantastic players, and Ginola particularly ran me very, very close. But I'll um I'll explain why I I had to leave him out. But um I'm going to take this opportunity to introduce our uh, our man behind the scenes, uh, our producer, director, editor. Some know him as the next James Cameron. Some know him as uh, my brother Petros. I know him as Smeech. Smeech, welcome. So you are, of course, a Spurs fan. We wouldn't let you on yes. here. You know, we're kind of two non-Spurs fans on our podcast. Tell us about your your journey as a Spurs fan. Why? What what did this to you? Who hurt me? Um, <laughs> again, it's, it's a very similar journey to you, actually. Obviously, uh, we grew up in uh, yep. the same spaces. To clarify, although Dagus and I are brothers, we don't actually, we never grew up together in the same house. Brother from another um, mother. Yeah, is what they literally. Say. Yep. Yeah. Elio was definitely an influence on me being a Spurs fan. Um, at one point one of my teachers tried to convert me to being a Middlesbrough fan. Uh, Elio stamped that out very quickly. 
What? It was kind of a, I support Middlesbrough. We need to have a talk. Sit down. <laughs> what was your first no. game? You remember your first game? Yes, I do. My first game was Spurs Wimbledon. It was a nil-nil and it was in 1999. That's tough, a nil-nil. You didn't get to see a yeah. goal. It was the year that Klinsman returned to us. And uh, my second two games were both with Elio. And I went to see Everton 1-1 and Southampton 1-1. Klinsman scored in both games. You saw Klinsman's last ever goal, if I remember correctly. Not That's just correct. for us, but for any club. That's I think correct, this yeah. is a good a time to, as any to uh, mention the fact that Elio has a, a freakish Rain Man style memory and uh, encyclopedic knowledge of, uh, of Tottenham history, which I'm going to put to the test right now. Elio, you took me to my first ever game, my first ever Spurs match. Can you, can you tell us which game it was and what the score was? We lost 2-1 to Newcastle. Rory Allen put us ahead that's, that's uh, against right. um, all odds because Newcastle were actually good back then. And I think Newcastle came back and beat us with two from Les Ferdinand not long before we signed them ourselves. I'm not sure whether to be impressed or concerned. That's that's exactly right. Very, very good. Moving back to you, Smeech. So um, have you settled on, on a final three for your to bring back to the Spurs team now? So I have, yeah. And... I am going to be bringing into the squad, first of all, probably my favourite Spurs player of all time is Gareth Bale. And I'm bringing him at his peak into the team because I feel like we need we need, we need somebody... like I feel like we didn't use him enough last season as it is. And then we've got a player like him at his peak. It, he was obscenely good. So you're talking 2013 Bale, before he left, the season yeah. before he went to Madrid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love the idea that you would bring back last season's aged, <laughs> slightly injured seven games. Bale. Yeah. He scored a hat-trick, <laughs> come on. To, to be honest, statistically speaking, he scored and set up more goals than any other player on our team. Hey, I would, I would take this Bale. I would take Bale back this season, let alone Oh, happily, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, the manager but, who plays yeah. him. I think, maybe with the exception of Kane, it's hard to say that there's been a better player in our squad in the Premier League era. In terms of the number of goals he set up, the number of goals he scored, and just the way he ran defence is absolutely ragged. The second person I bring up is because we, despite the fact our defence has been decent so far this season, I'm not 100% sure it's going to last. So, Ledley King. Can't argue with that. Next one. Um, I did think about bringing back Sol Campbell just so that I could push him off a cliff. Um, (laughs) I was was just looking at Elio's face there, just waiting for a bite. (laughs) I feel you need Bricky. to edit out that particular <laughs> We can bleep out <laughs> swear words. It's fine, including <laughs> and Lenny King. So, and L- Lenny King, because we do need, I think we need somebody at the back. This is Lenny King, assuming that he doesn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I should clarify that we, we get some fantasy scenario where all of our players have two knees for an entire season. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next person I would want to bring on board as the last one is probably Luka Modric. Um, I think somebody who pushes forward the way that he did back in the day and the way he still frankly plays to this day is incredibly talented and you know me and you, you, you've seen me play football manager enough times I'm always about a really strong attack and just battering the defence until they have no yeah uh, gung-ho no, yeah, yeah just all out attack so you, you, you've really upset me actually I'm, I'm very I'm, I'm heartbroken in fact you, you've I, I wish I'd written these down because you've literally picked the three same players as me <laughs> and now I just seem like I'm copying you. I was so happy when I heard Joe's. I was like, wow, this is going to have some diversity. People are picking different players. I thought everyone was going to take Ledley King. Uh, and I had the same thought process. And I'm going to, I'll whiz through it because it's going to get repetitive. But look, Ledley King at his best, 
for me, was the most talented defender we've had that I've seen. It's just a shame that we didn't see it for long enough. And I think, you know, a little bit more leadership in that position can only go a long way. Modric, it was between Modric and one other. I won't mention it in case anyone else mentions him. But I think Modric just in that position, in a in that kind of midfield that we have, is just brilliant at turning defence into attack. And look, when we had him, he might not have been his absolute peak as a footballer. We can say that he got better after he left, but he was still one of the best there. And I also went for Bale, mainly similar reasons that you said, because of the way that we're set up now. Look, Shinola could do a fine job on the right. He'd be unbelievable. He's two-footed. But I think given that Son is obviously more of a natural left-sided player, Kane's always been in the middle, someone who played most of his games on the right. And look, that season... I love Ginola, one of my favourite players ever, maybe my favourite Spurs player ever. But, you know, Bale, Bale did something special that season. And if we're taking someone at their peak rather than at the average of their entire time at the club, then that's why he gets them to the team for me. But that's more than enough. Seeing as Smith looked at my notes and stole my team, stole my yes. players. Yeah, that's, that, that's why I swapped out Stephen Freund for Modric. Um, <laughs> I said yeah. not to mention the other one that I nearly put in. <laughs> oh well look let's let's move to you Dave so we're gonna have a bit of a switch here we're gonna keep it fresh we're gonna talk about Leeds and the current Leeds team and I'm gonna ask you to bring back just to keep the Spurs element in there two Leeds players from the Premier League era I mean look you know, we've got slightly fewer years to work with but we, we can move past that and <laughs> Dave, Dave's flipping me a middle finger right now if you can't see and one Spurs player he, he could be really clever with that and includes oh he could find a loophole we, we, we nicked a fair few good players of them in, in our own growth when, when they're on their knees and I'm sure okay. New rule. they love Larry Levy for it new rule if you pick a player who's played for both Spurs and Leeds then that's the Spurs player <laughs> I'm making this, can you tell I'm making this up as I go along I, I prepared. I wasted all my prep time on stats. I'm so I'm so confused. I've I've got three Spurs players that I bring back into the Spurs. Well, team. you know what? We'd love we'd love to hear that as well. But I, I, I just think I, I, I heard you were quick. I heard you could think on your feet. I'm going to twist this up. Come on. To be honest, I wasn't listening. Uh, so you want you want me to bring back some Leeds players into the Leeds team from the Premier League era? Yeah. And bear in mind that Bielsa is the manager and you're playing the same kind of style. You know, you want this kind of high energetic pressing. Okay, well, it, I mean, it's it's quite straightforward, I think, because um, I think there's a couple of players and there is a crossover one. A couple of players I just think would love playing for Bielsa and really, and really fly. Uh, the first one is... Please say Danny Rose. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is Lee Bowyer. I think Lee Bowyer um, playing for Bielsa would be unstoppable. Um, uh, I also think that there's a gap currently in our team in number eight, and I think he would fill it, and I think he'd be incredible because he wouldn't stop running, and he's got the uh, attacking ability, um, uh, and he would get there, and he would lay on plenty of goals for uh, uh, for another person that I haven't mentioned yet uh, okay. because as much as Patrick Bamford is great, um, I don't think he's as good as Mark Viduka. And and uh, my twin Rodrigo, of course. And your, your twin, yeah, yeah. Your 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 other brother from yep. your other mother. Uh and uh yeah, I think Mark Viduka was um well I was lucky enough to be there for Viduka for Liverpool three and uh I loved him. I he could do no wrong. He 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 didn't look like a footballer, he looked like a rugby player, but his touch was incredible. He was faster than he than you thought he was going to be, yeah. and he was good in the air, and he was good at his with the ball at his feet, and he just knew how to score lots of goals. Him and Hasselbank love playing together as well. Jimmy, Jimmy is Jimmy as well. Yeah, I mean, I was just I was just thinking about my first uh, Spurs game, uh, which was which was Leeds two Spurs nil in nineteen ninety nine. Never happened. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, that was some unfortunate goal scorers in Alan Smith and Harry Kuehl, who we <laughs> won't talk about. Um, and the other one, the other one is the crossover. Uh, is is when we signed him, we didn't need him, and we could have totally done without him. But he was so exciting, and I think we signed him mainly because I think he tore he tore us to shreds a couple of times the season before, and that was that was Robbie Keane. Uh, Robbie Keane was brilliant for Leeds. He was brilliant for Spurs. He was brilliant everywhere he went. He was brilliant for Wolves. Brilliant for um, <coughs> Liverpool. Brilliant, brilliant for yeah several other minor All teams. All the teams he grew up supporting and hoping he'd play for one day. <laughs> yeah, and brilliant, brilliant for the Republic of Ireland. But but yeah, he he just he was electric, uh, and and him playing on either side of Mark Viduka was uh, was very exciting. And with you know Calvin Phillips holding up the midfield and Lee Boyer and uh, uh, and anyone else pushing on would, uh, would would mean lots of goals, which is what it's all about, you know. Clean sheets for losers. Now I've left Elio to last, um, and I'm, I'm toying with the idea of being mean to him and switching it up on him as well. I'm tempted to ask him to pick three players that haven't been mentioned yet. I can do that. At the end, you can tell us your three picks. Have they all been mentioned yet, or are there any that haven't? Come um... Mine have been evolving as the conversation's gone on, to tell you the truth. I'm so glad you did the prep work. I <laughs> I think it's fair to say all of mine have been mentioned in some context. So I, I can give you three new ones and I'll explain those and then I'll still give you sort of what my three OGs were as well, if you want. Love it. Please do. Go ahead. So obviously it's no secret that last few couple of years our defence has been poor and one of the big issues I worry about with our current group of centre-backs is lack of ability to really bring the ball forward, really play it out. Obviously, I've said Romero could be that player, but we've seen a couple of minutes of him so far against Manchester City in the league. So, so I don't want to pin myself to that mask just yet. So I would absolutely love to see Jan Vertonghen in his prime in this side because Good at shout. his best, he made every centre-back around, every player around him look better. He he took a lot of work off of the midfield by the way he could bring the ball forward. He he was uh, a beautiful passer of the ball, perhaps underrated because he didn't do the Hollywood passes that Toby Alderweireld used to do, but I don't actually remember him making a bad pass in his time with us. And he almost played two positions in one during the match. He was a centre-back and a left-back at the same time, which I think helped players like Danny Rose stay a lot further up the pitch and bomb forward. So, And he just loved playing for Spurs. He was a Mr Tottenham when he was with us. And he also brought the fun. His little celebration went the few times he did score when he re- tore his shirt open to reveal Super, the Superman. Yeah. That's a good, like, good celebration, Superman, like, yeah. Football should be fun, and Vertonghen's a fun player, and, and he loved playing for us, and he was also world-class. And a lot of people think Toby Alderweireld was the world-class centre-back. I always thought it was Vertonghen, and Toby looks better with Vertonghen. I'd be interested, actually, just to put a poll out. I mean, I will get onto our social media, but I think that's an interesting poll. I'm curious to see how many people would pick Toby over Jan in this scenario. Because I get the impression most people would say Toby, but I might be wrong. I mean... Alderweireld's been a great player as well and a lot of people will point to Toby's first season when Vertonga was injured for a fairly long spell and Kevin Vimmer came in and played very well uh, before we sold him to Stoke for a ridiculous amount of money at the time and he got fat and never played again but uh, I, I think uh, I think Vertonga was just a Rolls Royce you if you ever pay to watch a defender Ledley King would be the first one that comes to mind but I can't was he in your choices uh, he was in my choices yeah. because, but 
we're, we're going, we, you've twisted on me, so I'll easily say Vertonghen, who was only a not... The only difference between Ledley and Vertonghen was the pace. That's it. Um, other than that, I think, equal players. And I guess Ledley was two-footed, which Vertonghen wasn't. Number two for me, then, we, we've had a lot of really good players, but I'm going to go with Michael Carrick, who I think is... Great shout. Possibly the most underrated footballer the Premier League has had. Um, and not just from a Premier League perspective, but an international perspective as well. I think if any England manager had had the the nuts to drop either Gerrard or Scholes or Lampard to play Carrick instead, England would have won a tournament. Uh, that That's how good I think he was. He was two-footed. He read the game so well that he, he never actually had to make a tackle. He, he wasn't quick, but he didn't need to be because he was always in the right place. And his range of passing with both feet was exceptional. And I'd say every bit as good as Modric and Bella, So that's why he gets in for me in terms of what this team needs, because he could dictate play where and create things. Neither Modric or Dembele, even though they opened up space, they didn't actually create that much. Um, and that's a criticism of both of them. I think final one, we, we've already lost Bale. Um, we've lost Ginola. Modric. We've lost Ginola. We've lost all our Klinsman. all the wingers. I think possibly we've lost Klinsman. We've lost Robbie Keane today as well. Mm-hmm. If I've got to, can I give you two? It doesn't have to be a really striker. Strong. It doesn't have to be, you could have another. No, it's not a striker, but I do want to put an attacker in there because I'm all about bringing the fun. And Aaron Lennon was an absolute joy to watch. There we go. I, Perfect way to round it off. There, Aaron Lennon, the, especially when he broke through. Is, is that Aaron Lennon, Dave's racing down there? Dave's got that there as well, yeah. So. He got the ball and was on the other side of the pitch before he could blink. I mean, the goal he made for Crouch to win the game at the San Siro on our Champions League run under Redknapp was immense. The A lot of people said he didn't, a bit like the criticism of Traore now for Wolves, a lot of people said he didn't get enough goals or enough assists, but he just pinned entire defences back single-handedly because he had them absolutely scared lifeless they had two three defenders on him every single game and people used to say that all he was was a pace merchant he wasn't he had an incredible first touch those little five foot five legs could control sort of a 40 yards lofted pass first touch kill it dead and beat a man in the same movement he was he was an exceptional player and he also well he was the reason we we beat Chelsea for the first time in ages with that lovely goal. Yeah. He he was a key part of us winning the the League Cup final against Chelsea. So many of my best memories revolve around Aaron Lennon. Even the game at uh, the Giuseppe Mazza against uh, Inter, where Bale blossomed into the player that the world knew. The the hat trick uh, against Inter yeah. before Taxi Mike on two weeks before that. Mm-hmm. Aaron Lennon was the one that actually uh, made made the key goal in all that and. Uh, He's just entwined in our entire rise under the Martin Yol era to what we've become now. So, you know, I love to go. That's an interesting comparison, Traore. I feel like Traore is almost like Aaron Lennon on steroids, isn't he? He's like a gigantic yeah. Aaron Lennon in so many ways, just pace and excitement and, you know, perhaps doesn't always, doesn't always uh, you know, get the ball in the goal, but he's, he offers so much more. Uh, Dave, anything to add? Yeah, as I had... I had Lennon down as as one of my former former Leeds players who ended yeah. up playing for Tottenham, who we'd like to bring back for Tottenham, alongside uh, Paul Robertson and Robbie Keane. Ah, of, um, of course. But yeah, I wrote next to Lennon. I wrote excitement personified, perfect off the bench. So yeah, what you off just the said. bench? Is that is that what he is to you? A bench player 
impact sub. Well, in this team, in this team, in this team, he's he's the Damatoro. I'm putting him ahead of any of Bergwijn or Lucas. I don't know about Hill yet because we've barely seen him, but definitely ahead of Bergwijn and Lucas in our current team. I think I don't think either of them can can uh, can lay a glove on him. Quite hey, frankly, Lennon never scored a, a hat trick in the Champions League semi final, though, did he? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he did not. Uh, Joe, uh, which Leeds players would you take for Spurs? Current Leeds players. Current Leeds Current players. Leeds players. Um, I mean, Patrick Bamford. For the bench. I think. For the bench, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's not off to a great start this season, which is annoying for my FPL team. But Rafinha, <laughs> I, I just yeah. thought Rafinha looked amazing at times last season. Um, Lovely to watch. Yeah. yeah he's the I guess first the one I'd, is, I'd think of. How consistent They're is very he going to be? Angry man. Calvin Phillips? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'm just trying to think who else. who else you would have in the team. I suppose Calvin Phillips is pretty obvious. He's just he's just looking terrific, isn't he? Looked great again last night uh, from, from what I saw of the England game. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that would be my three. What about the manager? <laughs> that's a that's an interesting one. This is um, very dangerous territory. Can we talk about Spurs again? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, which players will you let us have? <laughs> uh, you can have uh, you can have your uh, your doppelganger. Oh yeah, as he's long as you give us thirty million quid, yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, well, look, that's that's brilliant. That that went very very well, and um, I'm glad we didn't all say exactly the same players, apart from you, Smeech. But uh, I'll, I'll forgive you for that one because they're excellent picks, and you you justified them very well, even if you were you know reading my notes from over my shoulder. Um, oh, of course, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, if if anyone has any thoughts, if anyone disagrees with us, if anyone agrees with us, um, we'd love to hear your three. Um, it's probably as good a time as any to tell you about our social media that I've just set up. Uh, we are on multiple platforms now. We are on Twitter at uh, Plus Dave Podcast. We are on Instagram, also at Plus Dave Podcast. Uh, and for those of you who are a bit old school and prefer email, you can reach us at plusdavepodcast at gmail.com. Um, so uh, please send us messages, whether it's about this or just in general. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, any questions, anything that you'd like us to discuss, any ideas for any future presentations, um, or just any comments, any hate mail, you know, we'll, we'll welcome it all. We'll read it all out live on air, you know. Um, and of course, if you are listening to this on any of the multiple uh, podcast platforms that we hope to be on, then please feel free to leave us a review, preferably five stars. But if you do feel compelled to leave a one-star review, please could you uh, tell us exactly what it was that Elio said that offended you, uh, just for uh, just for all of our peace of mind. Um, before we leave you, we're, we're going to wrap things up very shortly, but I just wanted to jump to one last uh, little feature that we're, we're going to hope to make a, a regular part of this, um, and it's called Challenge Elio. It really is the Elio show, isn't it? I don't know how this happened. This is called Challenge Elio. In this round, we are going to pose some questions to Elio, which we're hoping from next week onwards will come from you, our listeners, and our followers on social media. Um, this week, we had to improvise slightly, and I've asked around a few friends. Fortunately, we've, we've pretty much run out of friends now, so you better send some in next week or we're going to be in some real trouble. But we're going to pose some trivia questions to Elio. Elio, who, by his own um, assessment, I would say, someone who claims to know quite a lot about football. Would you say that's fair, Elio? Do you rate your football knowledge? I'm not answering that until I've heard the question. <laughs> uh, brilliant. I've got a question here from uh, a certain uh, individual that you might be familiar with uh, called Mark Grogan. Mark Grogan has uh, sent you the following challenge. Jimmy Greaves, who is, of course, Tottenham's yes. all-time leading goal scorer, scored 16 goals in 51 games for which current non-league 
North London club. Current non-league North London club. This is probably unfair because I know he, who he supports, so I know why this question is coming about. But I also know that Jimmy finished his uh, career in the UK at Barnet, so I think that that's fairly obvious that one fantastic that is some points to you i still haven't figured out the point system but we'll probably tally it up at the end and then you know just kind of go with it uh what we will what we'll do is if elio doesn't know the answer i think then it comes out to the floor and we get to answer not me because i know the answer but everyone else gets a chance to answer it and we'll keep a running tally of points that elio's got versus the points that we snatched off him i think that's probably the better way to do it maybe we'll assign more points on the level of difficulty or something if you're listening along i'm sure you can tell we're making this up as we go along but i promise you it will be a lot more polished and streamlined next time around i think that was an easy one i think we need to uh, we need to up our game there well you know what i didn't know it but that's that's not exactly the measure of a difficult <laughs> question <laughs> I exactly. I realized, if that's our measure that we're in trouble <laughs> no no exactly even i knew the answer that's, that's that why one. i'm hosting yeah, exactly. I mean, I would I would have guessed for the same reason you did because I know this guy is a violent man. But uh, but anyway, we have another question from uh, another oh, man, wow. another man that you uh, will be familiar with, an individual named Tom Story. His <laughs> question that. comes in a slightly uh, different format. Uh, so Hugo Lloris recently uh, had his 300th Premier League game for us, um, in which he has recorded his 173rd, I believe, win in a Tottenham shirt in the Premier League. Can you name? The rest of the top five. And that, there's actually five. There's, it's joint fifth. I'm going to give you... Do I get any wrongs? Yeah, this? I was going to say, I'm going to give you a number of wrongs. And if you run out, then we get to try and clear it up. If we, if you don't get all of them and we finish them, then we win and we get the points. This is Premier League appearances, yeah? Premier League appearances. So you've got to name two, three, four, and then the two in joint fifth. And I'm going to give you three wrongs. Is that fair, everyone? Is that is too that many a, wrongs. Is that too many? <laughs> <laughs> too many joe do you think that's unfair on elio do you think we need to give him a chance i mean he got the first I, one i think that's i think that's perfectly fair first episodes go easy yeah in. yeah i mean this is a test run anyway i mean next week we'll, we'll we'll give him some more questions and we'll be a bit more harsh okay so you've got you've got your guesses who are you going to go for i mean the second place is the do i have to get them in the right order uh no, no i wouldn't say so no okay second place is darren anderson whose record he just broke we're talking about wins here, not appearances. Oh, wins. Sorry. I do apologize. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll, I'll let you off that one. one. That's one line. No, no, I'll let you off that one because you just said. All right. <laughs> no, wasn't listening. Yeah, you were clearly listening. talking All about right. appearances there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wins. Yeah. All right. Dana didn't play in a winning Tottenham team. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll go with Harry Kane. Correct. Number two. Um, Probably a player I mentioned earlier because you've got to go for longevity here as well. So Jan Vertonghen, it's number three. This is this is too good at this, guys. This is bad. Um, so Larice Kane Vertonghen. I'm going to. I'm tempted to give you clues, but I don't want to. You don't need them. Deli Ali, wrong. He's got one wrong. Deli Ali is number fourteen with ninety nine wins. Oh really? Mm Who was with Danny Rose? (laughs) Wrong. Is that correct? No. Danny Rose is way down in number 19. It's all falling apart for everyone. He started so well, didn't he? Danny Rose has 85 wins and he's in at number 19. Okay, Larissa Vertonghen. I will give you a clue because I'm feeling charitable. One of these players was mentioned in our Bring Back Three Spurs Legends. Okay, Gareth Bale. Incorrect. 
Okay. So that's my three lives gone. Which means we have a chance to snatch. Gareth Bale. Well, Gareth Bale, didn't he have like 40 games without winning for us at one point or something ridiculous like that? He played seven seasons for us in total. I know. No, he's not even in the the top 20, would you believe? Okay. So you you got, we've got Hugo Lloris to give, and you've got Harry Kane and you've got Yamba Tongan. And we need, well, I say we, I I know the answer, so I'm not going to say them. Three of you need to come up with the fourth and then the two in joint fifth. And one of them is someone who's already been mentioned. All right, I'm going to go as a guess. Whoa, 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 hang on. Uh, before before we it. just throw out guesses. No, I'm just saying I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> to debate with the other, collectively. Two, the other two. You should agree collectively Robbie if somebody is is, a, yeah. is an actual formal official guess. I'm going to go with Robbie Keane just because of the fact that he played a hell of a lot of games for us. Dave what Joe. do you guys think? Well, are we discounting like, Licking because he was always injured? He like, paid, no, he's paid, paid in a rubber side, comparatively. Yeah, I... I, I... I was thinking King was probably injured too much, even though he was at the club. How many? How many wrong? Yeah. How many wrong answers do you guys get? The same. You get a couple each. <laughs> Three each. <laughs> <laughs> Name every Spurs player of the Premier League. I, th- I think Elio's right. I think um, Poch era makes most sense. Because, I suppose Red Redknapp era was also quite productive. I mean, uh, we Aldevero has been mentioned a, a few times, and, and obviously he. He had a good. He was in the team during a good period for Spurs for a few years, yeah. and he would have started a lot. So that feels like maybe a sensible, educated guess. I was also thinking, Defoe, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that's not a bad suggestion, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah, Son must have racked up the wins by this point. If you're going to name every Spurs player, we're going to be. Here. <laughs> Dave, what do you what do you reckon? I think he's Ludley King. I really so, don't think so, it's Ledley King. Is that your final answer? Well, it, how many how many wins is it? Like 100, 110? I can tell you the numbers. Like I can tell you the numbers. Yeah. 127 oh. is fourth place. And then... Oh, that's, that's Ledley King then. He that's, won 127 that's like, games. That's like six, seven seasons. Fifth is 125, joint between two. I actually have a good idea now that I've thought about it under less pressure of what two of them are. But I won't say it until these guys have their go. You can't snatch right, so it what... back. So what do we what so do we want to go with? We are we going so we got four ideas: Aldevera, Defoe, King, Son. Just four into two we're trying to do, aren't we? And Robbie Keane was one I put out there as well. Oh, and, and Robbie Keane, yeah. Well, why don't we do one each? Why don't we all the three of us throw out one? Why don't you go first, let's do Petros? It. Let's let's okay. end this. Come on then, let's, let's do murder it. it now. All right, I'm gonna go with Son. Wrong. Number nine, 114 wins. Two lives left. Do you want to go, Joe? Dave? All right. No, you go, mate. We're going to have to make I'll it quick with... fire now. We're going to have to I'll go with Alvaro. Also wrong. Alvaro is number 14 with 99 wins. I know the two. You don't. Ledley King. Wrong. <laughs> I know I can't snatch it back. It's wrong. It's hundred... Ledley King is can eighth. You can. Ledley King is eighth with 115. I'll tell you what, Elliot, I, mean, I think this is this this is probably worth three points. I'll, I'll let you have one point if you can if you can get one point for each, but you don't get any wrong answers. I'll let you salvage okay. it, given that the woeful attempt by your uh, your colleagues here, <laughs> the so-called Spurs Frick. fans. Well, not not Dave. He's not a Spurs Christian fan. Christian Eriksen. Correct. Eriksen. Correct. Yeah. Joint fifth. Oh, well done, Christian Eriksen. And the other one I'm going to go for. Um, it's joint. What number is Eriksen? Fourth or fifth? 
Joint fifth. Is he the joint, he's joint he's fifth. Joint fifth. We still need number so, four, and we need the other joint fifth. Number four and the other joint fifth, I'm going to go for Eric Dyer. And? Kyle Walker. They're both wrong. Oh. Oh, Eric Dyer is number seven, actually, just outside of the... Uh, just behind Chris Nerrickson with 116. Uh, and Kyle Walker is number 12 with 102. The answers you were looking for were, and the one who was mentioned earlier, Aaron Lennon. Huh. Aaron Lennon with 127 huh. wins. Supporting, in all fairness, your claim for putting him in the team. Yeah. Uh, and Jermaine Defoe. Uh, no, I mentioned Jermaine Defoe. Well, there we go. We need so to cut that entire segment out because that makes us all look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, we can re-record it and get the answers right away and look really, really clever. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. That's the wonder of re-recorded podcasts. Well, look, that, that's fine. I mean, Elio got the first question right, so we'll give him some points for that. Uh, no one gets any points for that, but it's just a, it's just a warm-up round. Next week, uh, Challenge Elio gets serious. We'll try and get a few questions in. I urge you, please, if you're listening, to think of some good questions. Don't make them ridiculous, but you know, make them a good challenge. Um, I and don't like this one. Send them in, and we'll keep a running tally as the season goes on of how we're doing elio versus the world we'll keep a running running score and see how he's getting on a couple of things to wrap up before we uh before we finish um first of all if you're still listening to us thank you so much really means a lot to us that you're here listening and still uh still with us we hope it's been entertaining and we hope you obviously join us again next week we're hoping to do another one after every league game if we can so the next one will be after the palace game we'll look back at that and see how that's gone and of course look forward to uh to whatever's coming up uh, in the season um a couple of points as i've mentioned before please follow us on social media we can be found at plus dave podcast on both instagram and twitter uh, and you can email us at plus dave podcast at gmail.com also please feel free to join our fpl league we are all in it elio how's, how's your fpl season going so far dear? It, it's a marathon not a sprint it's, <laughs> it's exactly exactly <laughs> yeah yeah i i would say i would i would urge you to only please join if you have fewer than I think it's 247 points. Basically, I want to stay top. Did I mention I was top? I'm top of our league. I'm top of our league. And I intend to stay there. Just like Tottenham, I've, I've gone off to a flying start. Uh, but please join that. The code, if you'd like to join, is JB3PSV. That's jb 3 PSV. Uh, we'll keep a running uh, check-in on who's doing the best and who's top of the league every week, and it should all be a, should all be a whole load of fun. I want to thank you guys for joining. It's been a pleasure. I hope we manage to uh, pick it up again next week with the same energy. Thank you to Dave, to Smeech, to Joe, to Elio, and to everyone listening. You stay classy, Spurs fans, and we will see you again next time. Here's Deli Alley. Here's Lucas Moore.